Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hello and welcome to Sex, Psychics, and Psychedelics, Discovering Inner Liberation. My name is Banana Jane Garnett. I'm a licensed psychotherapist, a lover of freedom, and a relentless explorer of the mind. Please come join me on my journey in hot pursuit of inner illumination and liberation. For more about me, you can find me at the Banana Jane on Instagram. Now let's dive in. Celeste Hirschman is a San Francisco-based sex therapist. She's the co-creator of the Somatica Method and the co-founder of the Somatica Institute. Celeste received an MA in Human Sexuality Studies from San Francisco State University and a BA in Women's Studies from UCSC. In her teaching and coaching, Celeste draws on her extensive training in attachment psychology, sociology, gender studies, and body-based modalities like Hakomi. She uses these embodied learning principles to help students and clients tap into their own somatica wisdom, to deepen their experiences of pleasure, and to realize their full personal and professional potential. Welcome, Celeste. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I guess I identify as a sex coach, not a sex therapist, but everything else was totally true. And oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. And okay. I train so, coaches in my method also. So, okay, well, let's start there. Sex coach, sex therapist. Can you, can you tell us the difference? Yeah. Sex therapy, you have to go through and you have to get a master, you know, a, a master's in marriage and family therapy, and then you specialize. Um, but the coaching that we do actually is much more experiential. So it, it doesn't just stay within the boundaries of traditional therapy. And I found to help people have better intimacy, you actually be able to have to be able to practice some things in real time, like touch um, or sharing erotic stories or turn-ons or something like that. And that's not really mm -hmm. something that a therapist can do with their client. Yeah, God damn it. I've noticed that in my own practice, just as I want to share an erotic fantasy with a client, I have to close my mouth. It's so interesting. Exactly. It's so so, you know, um, we, we collaborate a lot of times with therapists because we need to send their, sometimes we need to send our clients a therapist and sometimes they want to send theirs to us. Yeah. So with the, with the touching, I'm imagining you might be guiding them. Do you also do hands-on work or not? Yeah, it's two-way touching, um, but we keep our clothes on. We're not touching genitals. But in order to teach things like passion, you know, like we have this up against the wall exercise where you sort of learn how to like passionately hold somebody's body and throw them up against the wall and caress the hair. So I would be like touching back in that situation um, just so that it's more realistic than just sort of like sitting there. like <laughs> Right. So you would try being the client and you would be the... So you would try both positions in that? I do demonstrate. So I'll yeah. like push the, the person up against the wall yeah. and grab them and teach them. And then yeah. they'll try it on me often multiple times with feedback. Or I play something called the animal game with my clients, which is like a disinhibition game to help people find their inner animal before they learn all these techniques and get up in their head. It has mm. to be like 
you know, you have to let out that part of yourself. Okay, I, I need this. I think I need this today, actually. I mean, I, I'm not, I don't know if I'm going to be an animal on screen, but let's, like, tell me how you do that. Do you try on different animals? or what? what I would love to play the animal game with yeah. you. It's done usually in person because okay. we're actually, like, rolling around on the floor together. But, yeah, as soon as All I get right. in the same room, animal game it yeah. is. <laughs> okay, we'll get our calendars out at the end of this. Uh, book me in your first available, please. I've got a few animals already coming to mind, so... <laughs> Like <laughs> we which, might which need, ones? What what animals are you? Well, you know, I love all the like. I like the sort of the tigers, and I like sort of also I like bouncy animals. So I'm thinking of a tiger. I'm thinking of a rabbit. Mm. Uh, maybe a caterpillar. Uh-huh. Is that an animal? I don't know. But I count anything like, that counts. As a, it yeah. makes me think. As a kid, I used to um, we used to like play little caterpillar games in our sleeping bags. Mm-hmm. Grew up in Scotland, so we'd spend a lot of time in sleeping bags in the rain, and there would you know be a lot of games around that. Um, but so I love that. Idea. Like if you're a tiger right now, like yeah, we can do it online. You want to bring? Ah. Tiger? <laughs> I'll bring my cougar because that's what I am. <laughs> okay. Well, here's, uh, you're, look, I think this. I'm at a disadvantage here. You know how to play this game. You show me your cougar, okay? Let's see. <laughs> Fair Let's enough. See. Okay. I mean, how do you do it? I just want to rip you to shreds. I want to eat you a lot. Oh my! Oh my God! I'm so excited. I'm sorry. In, in that position, I definitely was something. Then I was like, I don't know, like a little bunny or something. But slightly, yeah. excited, about, slightly excited about being eaten, which is, you know, maybe something else to look into. So I love that. So you basically, you just play. Is that that you start out playing with couples to? We play, and but we play with erotic energy. Ah, uh, okay. So even with the animals, you're sort of you're saying this is we're using the animal to get to erotic energy, like the energy of of eating or pouncing or the energy of passion. The energy of passion. I love yeah. that because passion is like an that. out of control. Like I can't wait to get my hands all over you. I want to mm. bite you and kiss you and smell you and lick you and taste you. Mm. You know, so that bringing in the animal kind of invites that energy well it's also as you say that it's also you know it's love and that the um you know we we all say that to kids and we babies oh I just want to eat you you know anything that you love so much you want to devour eat and it's such a it's a nice thing as an adult you know wanting to be eaten it's not always you know it's not the same as when you're a baby where everyone wants to eat you as an adult Yes, that's the one world like, I want to live in. Oh, you want to eat me? Thank you. You know. Oh my god, that's so funny. Um, by the way, what is I, I keep meaning to ask you this? What is Hakomi? Oh, Hakomi is a mindfulness-based therapy um, that was uh-huh. developed by a man named Ron Kurtz, and it's just a, a way of. It really helps you bring in more like embodiment and somatics into a therapeutic practice. So mm-hmm. a lot of therapists take it, but also people just train in that method. Okay. Okay. So. So the somatica method, let's get a, a working description of that. And then we can kind of go, go into more nitty gritty. Yeah. The somatica method is an embodied experiential pleasure-based method that really helps people practice in real time with authentic intimacy. So we're not doing like role-playing. It's like, if you are my client, Jane, and I want to practice with you, I'm going to say, you know, like, I'm going to share my, like, yes, like I'm going to share my feelings authentically. So when you smile mm. like that, my whole body lights up. Mm. Right. So I'm not pretending to be your partner or something. We're actually mm-hmm. practicing intimacy in real time, whether it be emotional or erotic. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. And it's going both ways. So you're saying that to me and I'll be like, oh, when you praise me like that, I just feel like the best girl in the world. Exactly. <laughs> and we, we say things like that, that we would feel embarrassed to say sometimes maybe to someone else. Yeah. And to be able to ask for that too, because, you know, if you know that me praising you is what makes Mm. you feel good, then Mm. it's good to be able to tell people like, luckily a lot of the young guys who I'm dating, like they know about love languages and I'm like, okay, well I am words of appreciation or words. I can't remember exactly how they call it, but yeah. Words of affirmation. I Affirmation. That's it. Yeah. And I want, you know, and I want, you know, I'm I'm like, literally I'll just say to someone on a date, like, so if you have anything nice to say about me, Mm. (laughs) I'm available for that right like that really gets me that's brave I think to be able yeah. to say that don't you definitely it took me a long time but it's like ultimately, yeah that's what turns me on so what's the point you know well of course you're going to receive a lot more kind words after that I would say for the most part although don't some people freeze <laughs> fingers crossed yeah they're like oh well check please no what the I mean <laughs> do they do yeah, you People have, some people have like big, like, well, I need it. It needs to be authentic or they have like freedom wounds. Mm. So if you tell them what to do, they don't want to do it or something like that. So, uh, but if they're, if they're asking and saying like, this is my, these are my love languages, what are yours? Then I'm assuming that they want to find that out because they want to give me mine. (laughs) Well, you know, I do think that what you're saying like this, you're looking at and you're with males, right? So we're looking at a younger sort of breed of males in San Francisco right so I mean we're talking about probably the most enlightened pocket of males you've managed to either stumble upon or cleverly find um so I I, it definitely is not always the case and it's actually bringing to mind a an ongoing battle I had with my ex-husband excuse me ex-husband but I think this is valuable to share which is that um you know, I just, there were those moments where I just wanted this kind of comfort. And I was talking to, through words, and I was talking to a girlfriend about it at the time. And she said, oh, you just want good girl, poor baby. And we laughed about it. But I was like, yeah, basically, that's what I want. It's kind of that, that there, there thing. And so I said to him, you know, it's basically, you don't worry, you can just kind of shine it on, just do a version of good girl, poor baby. And he was like, that is so patronizing. That is so sort of disrespectful to yourself to even ask for that, you know? Uh, I mean, (laughs) and we we didn't get anywhere on it because he thought it was inauthentic. If he didn't Mm. feel it, if he didn't feel I was a baby or a good girl, maybe as well, then why should he say it? Well, not only that though but he shamed you for even wanting it I mean I'm fine if somebody says to me like that doesn't feel authentic and I need to wait until I actually have the feeling to say it and I'm like great thank you for telling me Mm. who you are but if they say there's something wrong with what I want then I'm like you're totally shaming me right now and I don't I don't respond to shame like if I want to be called Mm. a good girl which really turns me on in bed by the way yeah (laughs) or if I want to be cuddled and held and soothed when I'm sad like those are wonderful things that many people need, you know, not everybody, but mm-hmm. I just, I just hate this one size fits all approach to life. Like if I think that I don't want it, like you're not supposed to want it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, shame has got to be such a huge part of this work. Tell me about that. How do you, how much does it come up? Where does it come up and how do you deal with it? It comes up almost constantly, you know, everybody in the back mm-hmm. of their mind, am I normal? Is this okay? Is it appropriate? Um, I should, I shouldn't, you know, all of the, this, but we're ruthless de in Somatica. 
we, mm. we made up a word to shameify and we do shameify everywhere we see it. You know? <laughs> How do we do it? How do we bust shame? What well, are the I think techniques? even just right there, like I said, I named it. Naming Your ex-husband it. Yeah. shamed you. Yeah. And yeah. I say, what's yeah. wrong with those beautiful desires? They're wonderful. I also have them, you know? So one way to de-shameify, yeah. if it's true, is to say you also have them or you can say, mm. oh, I hate society for like putting this negativity yeah. on you and these expectations or, you know, there's a lot of, we teach like the tools of de-shameifying in the training. Mm. Mm-hmm. I love that. Um, I think we all need de-shameifying and there's this idea around shame that I've been carrying. I'm not sure if it's right, but um, the idea that shame um, comes into existence in the sort of in the social construct, it happens between two people and therefore it can only be dismantled in the, in the social construct. So it takes two people to make it and it takes two people to break it. So I don't know if we can, I mean, I think we can do shadow work with ourselves. We can notice sort of intrapsychically like, oh, you know, this shadow came up then and what was this part of me wanting or needing? And then, you know, send love to that part and do that kind of thing. But shame, it feels like it's made by two. Yeah, it's made as a form of sort of like social training or social mm. you know, control. Um, and I think it does need to be undone in connection. Because a big way to lower shame is when, you know, somebody, you say something that you feel ashamed about and the other person goes, what? You know, that's wonderful. I always do that too. Yeah, Yeah. exactly, exactly, exactly. So, so I, I suppose, yeah. So, so we could say, uh, you know, connection is the antidote to shame. Absolutely. And I think secure attachment, like knowing someone will love you no matter what you say to them. Um, And also just, you know, pointing out that like these expectations or ideas are ridiculous and everybody's different mm, and it's you know mm, important mm. to find out who you are not to try to be what everybody expects you to be or society tells you to be absolutely now you mentioned secure attachment massive idea and uh the holy grail right to, to feel securely attached mm-hmm. not something i always experienced myself but i'm working on it i mean when you go from being insecurely attached to securely attached, how does that I don't really work? think of it that way. I okay. think there are relationships where we have more or less security. And even if you're quite securely attached, you might end up like having parts of yourself come up that are like anxious because of the way a particular partner is dealing with you. So I think we have tendencies like I'm 10. My tendency is to be more anxious. I often date people who are tendency is to be more avoidant, um, you know, and those those things get yep, exacerbated by each other. Dynamic, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but I mean, dance, I yeah. think you can like I've had I have had one completely secure relationship with a partner. And I'm just like, Mm. I did it, you know, like it was amazing. I still feel it in my body, even though Mm. we're not together anymore. And it's like a foundational sense of security that helps me in all of the other relationships that I have, which don't have that level Mm. of security in them. You still feel the the sort of the calm in your body of, of knowing true love essentially. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. true love, but also safe love, you know, which safe love. Are they I think the those same? are different. No, wait, wait, are they? they're they're the wait, wait, let's slow down here a minute. Okay. Safe, true, big words. Okay. I mean I think you can really deeply love a person and be loved by them, but you might not be able to help each other feel safe. 
Yes. I mean, look, some people say it's not if you have love that isn't safe, it's more like, you know, obsession. Mm. I don't know about that. I feel like love has many forms. Absolutely. And this just happened to, you know, be both, which was, I felt very fortunate to have the experience. Meaning safe, true, and exciting. I just added a third one in because I felt it. (laughs) It's really, 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 really great. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I like what you're saying about having it in your body. And I, I like that because it's also a sort of, in a way, it invites a less greedy perspective around love, that it's not necessarily about, you know, working towards this one final triumphant thing but more um you know that we can have a collection of experiences and absorb into our body the the ones that feel nourishing yeah, I suppose I the difficult idea. oh sorry yeah no. yeah no no well I was going to say it, it it's like you want to ex- absorb the nourishment but not the toxicity yeah and I do feel like there's this idea that there's some place that we're trying like there's a place that we're trying to get. And once we get there, we're there. And there's no there. There ain't no there there. There ain't no there there. There ain't no there there. Oh, shit. Oh, shit. And yet, (laughs) and yet we want it, right? I mean, we want, we want it. We do want want that. But I feel like wanting it actually gets in the way of getting what's available. It's a very odd kind of mythic thing. I often think about that. You know, the 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 end credits. I mean, I've just written a book that's really about this, that this arrival fallacy within relationships and my own codependency and, you know, learning to kind of work through it and actually be in the picture of your own life rather than sort of this voyeuristic thing of like, when do I put this picture together that equals that thing that is the end? And yet, why do you want the end? Because the end is death, right? So... <laughs> It's a funny old thing, isn't it? It's a weird paradox and it might be about just trying to outwit death. Mm-hmm. You know, it's maybe it's about that, like trying or to create a myth. So be- prove yourself. I think so much yes. of it is about proving ourselves to others. You know, it's like we all think that other people have it. We're like, mm. I, now I have it too. Look, and you post your picture on Facebook. <laughs> mm. What you so you think like being in a couple is a lot about showing the world that you can that you can do it. Yeah, not just being in a couple, yeah. but being married, being you know, just like all of the the image mm. of what it's mm. supposed to look like, and then we just keep projecting that image where like, but there's turmoil and there's challenge, you know, and that's not what we're talking about a lot of times. That it's an it just goes like this, you know, it doesn't just stay at this. Ah. <laughs> right, right. Which would be very weird anyway. But yeah, it's it's a very kind of, it's a, it's a deeply rooted myth. Very. There's a myth of okayness and that other people can get us there. And I think it's, it's, it's quite sad in a way that, that we have this set up because then we end up feeling like we're inevitably going to disappoint each other. And everyone feels like a failure. Right. Exactly. Just so so, so how do we how do we make each other feel like rock stars in relationship? Come on, Celeste. Well, how do we do I this? mean, I've had tons of successful relationships. Yeah. That yeah. doesn't mean okay. like some of them persist to this day. <laughs> <laughs> Scores of them. Scores I of mean, how many are there for God's sake? <laughs> Including my one with my ex-husband who lives downstairs. Yeah. 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 Okay. So we're defining successful relationships where are uh, basically where you make each other feel really good. 
Yeah. You have an ongoing yeah. loving connection, maybe attachment, yeah. maybe you have also romance and passion. Maybe you just have romance mm -hmm. and passion, but not really attachment, but yeah. you have a wonderful time with the other person. And just because something needs to shift, it doesn't mean it makes everything that happened before that null and void. Like, Gosh, yes, absolutely. And I guess there we're talking about attachment, right? Because you have this idea of this is how we would be good together, right? I see us hand in hand, you know, on this beach, da -da 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 -da, having a couple's date with so-and-so, whatever. Yeah, no, I think that's right. And being able to dismantle those images and look at what's really authentically there and build a new structure and, and I think had that experience, right, Jane, like you've been on a date holding someone's hand and it was a couple's date and the sun set and you drank oh, a bottle yeah. of wine and you laughed <laughs> in the waves. Like, I, mean, was I, I want to say yes. I'm like, fuck, I better have had that date, man. <laughs> Shit. Have I... Listen, I'll tell you this. I've had a lot of good dates. I exactly. am not a deprived woman, you know, in any, any stretch of the imagination. But, but I do think, you know, relationships, successful relationships feel to me like they do feel like the Holy Grail. I mean, I, I, I certainly want to cultivate that in, you know, in, in all my relationships, a sort of, um, you know, state where we're just incredibly generous to each other. But I think it's really hard when you're in romantic relationships, when these, these needier parts get triggered and you go into the part of yourself that is the least magnificent, you know, and I mean, I just went through it and I just, you know, saw myself going into what I think of as like the abject, you know, the part of myself that just feels really like bloody minded and horrible. Mm. I feel like I'm horrible. I want to be horrible. I want to take you down with me, yeah. you know, and I it's more under control than it used to be, but it's still there mm. and may be there, you know, and I think that's it's hard, isn't it? And then you hurt the person that you love. And then we've got the work of repair and do we have the energy for it? And do we have the skill set, you know? Yeah. Well, firstly, I want to say not maybe there will be, there always is there. Mm. What there mm. is always the. The hurt part. The hurt. Yeah. Yeah. Hurt part. And, and so it's like when she comes up inside of me, which she has this week, it's been a rough week. Mm. Yeah. And it's like the anxiety of like, oh, why did this person ghost me? And like, what did I do? Did I mess something up? You know? And then I'm just like, you're not everybody's flavor, Celeste. Like you had an amazing connection. Like re remember mm. that kiss, you know, like, and, and here's the, here's my hurt little girl yeah. going like, but how come everybody doesn't like me? And how come they don't like me forever? Yes. <laughs> and I'm just like, you. I know, how come? <laughs> I feel you. Why? <laughs> but I just love her. Like, and I get why yeah. she gets scared. And then I'm like, but yeah. the anxiety I know, like maybe I'll, you know, send too many tasks or something like I'll do yeah. something out of that place of anxiety that I like was yeah. like oh, I wish I didn't do that you know yeah so I did and I will yes 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 the human yeah yeah can't always be in the rock star right sometimes it's just like yeah the vulnerable human so so how much of our work here is about repair I mean when you're working with couples there's what are we looking at mostly there's with these so hurt parts? In couples, yeah. work, there's so much repair, but mostly yeah. it's like, instead of saying like, I'm, I'm going to be totally responsible or fix or save that little part of you and like, make it go away. You know, mm. it's more like, no, it's going to come up in each of us and it's going to look differently. Like you and I more anxious, we're going to feel yeah. like 
bad about the neediness, but like people who are yes. more avoidant, they feel bad about like, you know, like taking away what they feel like they're supposed to give somebody, you know, it's like mm. everybody's feels bad about some of the things bad about are. who they are. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> to some degree until we start to go, that's Oh, right. that's, that's just right. the way that you're hurt. And that's the yeah. way I'm hurt. And these are the ways they yeah. kind of exacerbate each other. And you didn't do anything wrong. And I didn't do that. Mm. You know, like, we didn't create mm. these things, but can we empathize when they happen? Can we repair when we kind of drop each other, you know, like, can we hold ourselves in those moments? Like the, that's couples work. That's the repair side. And then there's the fun, you know, sexy parts too. Mm. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, right. Right. So, so with the, with the needy parts, I guess it's this sort of balancing act of being able to acknowledge each other's needy parts, do our best to meet the needs, but not get so sucked endlessly into that game. I mean, I know that there's some, couples therapy out there that is all about you know just like this is all about reparenting it's all about restoring each other's sense of safety and 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 I don't know when I first heard that I sort thought it was a revelation because I was in a marriage where I wasn't feeling emotionally safe and it really appealed to me but then there's that whole other side of being in a relationship right which is the yeah wanting to individuate do your own thing feel free and and I you spoke about this in, in your book, I think it was in, in Making Love Real, the tension between the individualism and the secure attachment. And I love that you really bring both of those things into the picture because they must both be important. Well, we have to, because I've had so many couples where like one is more attachment oriented and the other is more individuation oriented. And if I was just an attachment helper, then I would ignore, like I would tell the person who needs individuation, no, no, there's something wrong with you. You have to prioritize this other thing that's less important to you, but more important to your partner. And to me, that's like saying, oh, half of the population or whatever percentage is anxious, like they're right. Yeah. <laughs> and you're yeah. wrong. <laughs> you know? yeah, yeah. Um, instead yeah. of saying like, no, we both want to be ourselves and we both want safety and we have different priorities or needs around those things. How do we try to make them work together as opposed to being at odds with each other? So for couples at home who are not going to have the resources to find you or just, you know, uh, they're on the other side of the world, are there any kind of tips that you can share about how around like communication or how to get started with, you know, getting, getting real and doing this work? Yeah, empathy, empathy, empathy. You know, it's the beat that's missed in repair more often than anything else. And empathy is where you actually, you don't just parrot back what somebody says, like in like nonviolent communication or something like that. <laughs> but I hear you say, you know, yeah. it's like you have to actually take a moment and realize like your partner's different from you. And to put yourself in their shoes, not think like, what would I do in this situation? But what does somebody who have their particular wounds and fears and needs, what's going on for them? And then you want to say it, you know, you want to say like, I get that when I, you know, need to ride my motorcycle three weeks out of, you know, the summer months that you feel really alone and scared and you don't feel like you're prioritized for me or whatever it is. That's like the individuation moment versus the attachment moment, like, to actually see that, like, what's wrong with you? How can you can't be more independent? Like, what's wrong with you? You don't care about anybody else but yourself. Those are the kinds of ways we shame individuation mm. and attachment needs instead of going like, 
wow, I can see like you really need this time to yourself, you know, and, and I get how important that is to you. And it's really hard on my nervous system, you know, or, you know, like I, I, it, I do want to express that part of myself and I can see how much it impacts you, right? Like to actually like honor that both of those things can be true at the same time and to empathize with the other person's experience instead of just presenting your case <laughs> yes. and shaming yes. the other person for their needs. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like learning to not be so selfish, but not in a way that I was kind of taught, which is more like, you know, you you stuff your own feelings. It's like, no, you have your own feelings, but they don't get to trump the feelings of the other yeah. And maybe when you, everybody starts empathizing, then you start taking each other's feelings into account and you can see you have an impact, even if you wish you didn't, you know, and then you start to make better decisions that include everyone, you know, that doesn't mean that everything always works. Like sometimes people mm-hmm. are too far apart on their needs for, for it to actually be compatible, but that's not somebody's fault and it's not a failure and it doesn't mean they don't love each other. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you're obviously not working with couples, you know, coming from a place that we want everyone to stay together. What is your, what is your angle? You know, when you're working with couples, what are you, what are you wanting for them? Yeah. To me, that's like focusing on the structure versus the connection. I do want every couple to have ongoing loving intimacy with each other, have ongoing attachment if that's important to them. But if it's not working for them to be in a romantic partnership, mm-hmm. then maybe they need to shift into some other structure and maybe they need a break in order to like, you know, reorient around not needing all of those things from that particular person. Mm-hmm. But I don't, the way that people break up in this culture is so sad. And I did it so many times and it was like, heart-wrenching and painful with people that I loved and was like oh this isn't working I hate you you fucked everything you know it's like as opposed to like wow this just isn't compatible you know but I'm right so you mean like people break up and they're like they think oh we're in a breakup we're just throwing this whole thing in the trash yeah like splitting up the friends and trashing each other to to, uh, you know what I mean like fighting over the kids and making them pawns in this situation I know what you mean you know when I was newly divorced I was going out with new divorcees uh sometimes sometimes still am but um you know they would just freely trash their ex-wives needless to say that was the last date yeah like what is going on here you know <laughs> like the level of unconsciousness is, is insane you know yeah you're like I'm next on the list to be trashed so <laughs> I can't wait to be in her position you know? P.S. This is a really interesting conversation. You know, I just I can't wait to hear more about what went wrong in your marriage. You know, right? Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I like that perspective. You know, it's like what, what is good here? What can we preserve? What can we parlay or evolve in in different ways? Um, now, when it comes to sex, I feel like broadly, sex in marriage, broadly speaking, there are, there are two schools of thought. One is, you know, you sort of let it go. Like if it's, I was just having lunch with a friend. She's like, and neither of us want to, we've been together for ages and it's quite nice. We don't want to. And I'm like, great. But she felt that sort of pressure a little bit, right? Some people think it's fine to to just go with the flow. I kind of do, but the, there's a whole other school of thought, which is like, you should be having orgasms. You should be keeping it hot and spicy all the time. Like how much should couples work on sex? Should they work on sex? 
so again, I'll say people are different. For some people, sex is a very high priority, including myself. For other people, it's not, you know, they would rather garden together. So yeah. I don't think, I just don't believe in should. And I don't believe one size fits all. When I have a couple in front of me, I'm like, what are your priorities for yourself? What are your priorities for yourself? I'm working with a new couple right now where he's very sexual and she has no interest. Like I even said, like, you know, go masturbate and see, it's been a really long time since she has. She's like, yeah, I did it. I can do it. (laughs) (laughs) Not really of interest Uh, to me, not a priority, you know? And so, so it's like, okay, so how do we work with those differences in needs and not again, see, it's like nobody's failure, nobody's fault, Um, you know, what are the different options that you have in that situation and how do you pursue those and take care of each other in the face of that, you know, or, or not, right. Like whether it's just feeling your disappointment and deciding you're not going to be sexual for the more sexual person or, you know, outsourcing honestly and negotiating Mm -hmm. that in some Mm -hmm. way. Um, I don't have an agenda for which of those you choose. I prefer that people don't choose stay and build resentment. I find that one to be quite toxic. I'll just stay and be really, really unhappy and take it out on you. Many yeah, people make I think that choice. A lot of people make that choice, don't they? Well, it's I think not it's, my been, it's been well modeled, right? It's been well modeled for us. We've seen well it. Yeah. I mean, I think about this a lot that we don't have. I mean, we've got shows and movies, which we've already discussed a bit, are kind of problematic. We don't have a lot of good real life examples of really like amazing couples. It's certainly something I always feel on the lookout for. I'm always really thrilled when I meet. I mean, I I build it up in my mind. I'm always like, they're such a great couple. And, you know, you find out, of course, there's all sorts of problems. But but I love seeing good couples. I love seeing love. I love seeing people being respectful to each other and kind to each other and helping each other out. I want to see that modeled at large. And I just don't, I think, you know, we get given the parents that we're given and it's sort of, random it's just like here are these two random people and they're going to be your gateway into the world and they're going to like inform your attachment patterns and they're going to you know and there you are you know what show I actually loved for that which is sort of surprising Mm. did you ever watch that show Madam Secretary no a woman who is secretary of state and Mm. her and her husband's relationship is actually awesome like there's individuation stuff there's attachment they don't agree on everything when they when they communicate around it, they listen to each other and understand each other, but take still, still advocate for themselves. Like, I was like, wow, this is actually like really mature relating in just a show that's about political, I call it political porn, you know, like what if people actually yeah. did the right thing? Oh, I love that. I love that. I do love political porn. Um, yeah. But it also had a really nice, solid relationship in it that I thought was a, like a good example. Okay, that's beautiful. I'm going to, I'm going to check out that that show but I do, and I want to answer your question also mm. about like yeah so if you if people do want to focus on sex and continue to have a thriving sex life yeah. I think that the conversation that needs to be had is not the one that's usually had right which is just like what positions do you like hot tips or just I don't I don't even think people really have a good conversation about it period you know but no. there needs to be a conversation around like what are your what are the feelings that you want to have during sex like, what do you want to feel? And then what do you want to do that gives you those feelings? And then you need to teach each other how to do them and see, like, are you up for that? What are your boundaries? Because sometimes people don't want to do everything that their partner wants. Or sometimes you have to find a different pathway to that particular feeling if the one 
that you like the best is your partner is not up for you know <laughs> so it's i mean i you and i touched on this in a conversation before but this to me brings up quite complex mapping because when i think about what i want it's various it's not just one thing you know it's yeah. i think it was trying to think about this what you know I, I want to have an adventure i want to have a spiritual connection i want to feel super hot i want to have intimacy i want to be surprised i mean that's just five things off the bat yeah like do do we just like sit down and just make a map and make a map of them and like do we is that how it goes oh i mean only if you want to have hot sex for your lifetime oh let me think about that (laughs) if not i would skip it (laughs) i mean no you know i like that resentment model that we were talking about earlier i think i'll go for that I do think it's an ongoing conversation, right? It's like, let's do something adventuresome, you know, and this is what feels adventuresome to me. And these are the things to say, or this would be ways you could surprise me. And it's like, even if you, you know, even if you tell someone how to surprise you, if they do it well at a totally different time, it still works. Yes. Yes. True. Like saying boo. (laughs) Exactly. It's not, it's not that you told them to say boo. It's like, they said it, you know, right when you came out of the shower. (laughs) And it's so good. Yeah, no, I love that. I like the idea of setting up more, more games. That's super sweet. Mm. I want to, I, I feel like always have millions of questions to ask you and I don't want to, you know, drive you crazy, but I do want to, um, before we wrap up, I want to talk about opening relationships it feels like it's in the ether right now I'm hearing a lot of maybe it's my age or whatever but there are a lot of couples who are like we think we're gonna open the relationship and everyone's scared and it might work and it might not like um gosh I mean how much are you seeing of this and and what do you feel about it what are the success rates well I think that the funny thing about open versus closed relationships and the way that people think about them is nobody ever says you know why my relationship was ruined monogamy if it hadn't been for monogamy, mm. I would <laughs> mm, good point. You know what yeah, doesn't yeah, work yeah, very yeah. well for long-term relating? Monogamy. You know? So I feel so like yeah. I feel like open relationships get put on this totally different, like they're on like they're they're on the grill. Like you have to like prove that it's gonna work. You know, it's like how many monogamous relationships don't work? I had a therapist one time, they're like, I was talking about being in an open relationship. They're like, Well, that can be really challenging. And I'm like, Yeah, except do you know what's really challenging to my relationship right now? Monogamy. Because I'm not getting enough yeah. sex and I'm about to kill my partner, you know? Mm, <laughs> so, mm, and so mm. like open relating might actually save the relationship where for sure it's not gonna last under these circumstances. So um I think that's the first thing I want to do is like put both of them on the hot seat. Wait, wait, what do you mean put both? Monogamy and- Oh, I see, I see, got it, got it, yeah. (laughs) Like, do they work? No, and yes, like sometimes they work and sometimes they don't. Yes, yes. So what we just have to try it out? Yeah, and I think when you try it out, you don't want to dive in the deep end. Like a lot of people make the mistake if they're already in a monogamous relationship and they're trying to move into open relating from monogamy, like- you don't just like go have sex with someone else. Right, 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 right. Like you, maybe you walk around together and you like check out people together and you say yeah. like, they're attractive yeah. and then you go, okay, that's <laughs> like, right? Like even that. And you like pretty- weep for four nights. I can't believe it. <laughs> that she was pretty. <laughs> exactly. You might, 
you might Um, and that's okay right like but that's like is it though I mean I wonder about that with myself I just think god I don't know if I'd want to go through all that jealousy and and what do you think about jealousy is that something you can make progress with could I just transcend it no I I mean I I damn damn you for your honest answer yeah Sorry, I really don't (laughs) like that. I don't like those ideas of like jealousy is bad or something like that. Uh Like, I'm a very jealous, possessive person, and I feel like I get Mm -hmm. like poly shamed. You know what you mean? (laughs) Like polyamorous people like shame me for like not being. Oh, you're not allowed. I see. Interesting, (laughs) right? You're supposed to be just so groovy and and so like, why are you so possessive? Like, what's with you? You know, and it's like, why am I so possessive? Because I have I have abandonment trauma. Yeah. And when my partner wants to be with other people, I get terrified. And I spent a long time in an open marriage, uh, terrified. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And then I was like, I don't want to do this anymore. You know, this actually isn't working for me. And I Mm -hmm. had to create a structure of dating and relating that worked and fit my nervous system. But for some people, but you're not monogamous. No, but I'm not in a primary. I don't do primary, what I call primary possessive partnership anymore. Oh, because that brings up too much jealousy because there'll be other people around and you've got your strong sex drive. So you found a structure that you can have a, a sex drive. Yeah, you, you you describe it to me, please. My structure is yeah. that I consider myself to be dating multiple people. Yeah. I don't have a boyfriend or um, a long-term like primary partner because as soon mm. as I put like all my attachment eggs in one basket. <laughs> yes. I go haywire. And if I don't do that, I'm good. Except for with this one guy, I was able to do it for very specific reasons and mm-hmm. an amount of time, et cetera. Um, but now, you know, so I spent, when I would try to do primary possessive partnership, I spent, I literally 75% of my year was trigger. Wow. That's rough. Now yeah, it's rough on the nervous system. Now yeah. I've like what 3% of my year is trigger five, like it's like I'm a different person. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I just found the structure that fits me. It's not the right structure for, you know, it'll be re- the right structure for some other people. Some people mm-hmm. need monogamy. Mm-hmm. Some people need open relating. Some people need monogamish. What's hard is when people try are who are together need very different things. Yes. When you talk about triggers... I realize we can't avoid being triggered, but are we looking to just absolutely minimize that because we want to protect the nervous system? We don't think we can work through it. We just think it's such sort of basic stuff. I've put that as my number one personal priority because I thought if I kept getting that triggered, I was going to end up with like cancer or something. Yeah. Yeah. Um, That was just my experience. Yeah. Some people are willing to do a lot more trigger in order to try to preserve certain relationships that they really find important. Like, again, I don't have a, I don't have an agenda for what your priorities are. I try to help people figure it out. Mine is to have Mm. a low trigger because I spent enough of my life in trigger and I did all the growing and the practicing Mm. with my jealousy. And, you know, I've watched my partner have sex with other people in front of me. I've done all the things. (laughs) (laughs) I really want to go out for drinks with you all the things and this is what works best for me yeah Yeah. through trial and error but I want to help people like figure out for themselves what their priorities are and be really conscious about when they're taking those Mm. kinds of Mm. risks and listening to themselves and you know is it like some people just choose yeah I'm gonna do the 75 percent trigger like okay but they're doing it consciously 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I feel like you're talking about taking a lot of responsibility in, in relationship and this this sounds grown up and I love uh, I love the spirit within which you work. It feels like there's so much integrity. I really, really respect it. And I think lucky, lucky couples and individuals working with you. Thank you. I'm sure you're very busy out there yeah. in San Francisco. Well, now I'm mostly training coaches in my method. Yeah. So tell us a bit about that. How's, how's the kind of greater scheme working and how can people find you and, you know, yeah, how can we work with you? We, Danielle and I had so many clients in our practice and we like would feel guilty turning them away. So we actually yeah. started training coaches so that we could give our overflow to them. Now we give everyone to them. <laughs> We're not really taking mm-hmm. new clients personally at this point. Um, and the training is like a year long training and uh, people can start doing some practice, you know, seeing some clients after six months, but you were really training people to help people in the realm of emotional and erotic intimacy. So it's very focused. It's very practical, very experiential, you know, and um, it, it, it has this attitude towards it, which is like, our goal is to help people figure out who they are, not to impose a structure of society, whether it's sexual, sexually, relationally, emotionally, like what do they want for themselves? And then we try to help them get that in their life. That's kind of the basis of Somatica. And we are really specialized in sexuality because it's not a place where you can get a lot of good help in general, no, especially no kidding, like experiential, yeah. practical yeah. in a safe container. Mm-hmm. Um, therapy. Yeah, this is, this is very, uh, sounds very integrated. Thank you. I like that word. Yeah. 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 Cause I, I agree with that. I've, you know, I'm always kind of looking into these worlds of sexual healing and there's a, there's a lot of interesting stuff out there, but, but a lot of it does feel rather sort of, um, solipsistic or a bit, bit rooted in trauma in some kind of way. And obviously trauma is always in the picture, but I feel like this model feels, you know, open and breezy and relational and good mixture of kind of academic and and yeah body-based it's it sounds like really good stuff and And, um, informed I mean we pay we help people map their triggers and we help people learn yes you know all those things so we we really try to cover those bases yeah you can't can't try and cut out trauma can you (laughs) (laughs) why won't that stuff just go away it's so annoying um so just tell me you know on a personal level before we wrap up um what is your greatest hope for this work I think it's really what we've been talking about is not imposing whoever we are as like you know a practitioner or coach not imposing our idea about how to live a life onto other human beings I was born in a little bit of like a hippie cult and there was you know cults have impositions but religions societies have impositions about the way that they think a person is supposed to be and so I'm just like anti that <laughs> like, I hope that the world starts to see that people are different and that's what makes it beautiful and that if we can help each person find their true expression everyone is happier I couldn't agree more I have to say <laughs> so uh, tell us tell us how to find you how to find somatica yeah, so it's somaticainstitute.com. Somatica is S-O-M-A-T-I-C-A. And our training is completely online. So it's an international training that people are taking from all over the world. Amazing community. And um, that's where you can find a coach for yourself also in addition to finding the training if you feel like becoming a coach. Yay!
thank you so much. Such a pleasure to have you today. So great to talk with you.